BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And you are listening to SupDoc, the best show about documentaries on the internet. That you're listening to right now. On today's episode of SupDoc, we recap the HBO docuseries McMillions, directed by Brian David Lazart and James Lee Hernandez. We get into spoilers, obviously. Yeah, and there are a few. But here's my take on McMillions. Uh, It's a very well-made true crime documentary about a crime that it seems like no one remembers or truly cares about today. How McDonald's million-dollar game was hacked and how the truth came to light, it's very entertaining. And some of the characters and people that make up this doc are super funny and very personable. And the themes run the gambit from greed to revenge. And in my opinion, this could have easily been a two- or three-part doc series, but the filmmakers did a great job of stretching it to six series. Yeah, and my take on watching this, uh, if you wanted a Mark Wahlberg-produced low-stakes version of an Ocean's Eleven-style caper, that's what I thought it was going to be based on the trailers. There is a little more heart to this than I initially thought there would be. And there's some relief to watch a true crime series that doesn't have a lot of gore in it. Uh, But was there anything to learn about society now from watching this? I guess just that tempting crimes of opportunity are all around us and do not get your car shipped to long beach (laughs) that's funny and now here's our recap of mcmillions i have a story for you this story has got everything revenge drugs greed ronald mcdonald somebody went to the fbi and said guess what's happening the mcdonald's monopoly game was fixed the bureau thought it was just some bs story fast food fraud was not making any list of priorities are you kidding me this is what makes my fun meter go mcdonald's monopoly game gave millions of people a chance to win but from 1989 to 2001 there were almost no legitimate million dollar winners It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. So, uh, to be 
perfectly honest, I literally just finished watching this documentary about three minutes ago. Which is the best time to talk about it, right? It, it, like, if you have any lingering questions, yes, like they are all going to come out right now. Well, I mean, like we were talking about before we started recording, George, it's very twisty, turny, lots of information. It's fairly sophisticated amount of uh, experiences and things that you learn from this documentary. I, I kind of got, after the third episode twist, I started to be like, okay, these twists are just like kind of bogus twists. Like they're like really just setting us up for like some major thing that never fully delivers. I guess there's a lot of letdowns in this. Uh, started off promising. I actually was talking to some other documentary filmmakers that did not like this at oh. all. Oh, really? Yeah. What were the reasons? Well, it, I mean, it's kind of like candy. It's documentary <laughs> candy basically, but yeah. I'm interested like what, what did they say? I th okay, not to not calling anyone out specifically. It just they were just like it's super like on the nose. It just like starts with like Jane's addiction, been caught stealing, right? And like okay, and then uh, they just thought it was like basically ruining the form of documentary. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I mean, yeah, it's like it. it you're right, candy. Like I was curious because this did debut at Sundance last year with a 160-minute cut. Wow. Which might have been better. Yeah. Like, it, you're saying, like, yeah, we don't... I was actually like, there are so many people involved in this. There's so many roads to go down that I found myself... Yeah, they could have made it... I think they could have combined the fifth and sixth episode together, but there was a lot to cover. There so, is a tremendous yeah. amount of information to cover, and I completely agree. Not all of it was necessary. Not all of it needed uh, 20, 30 minutes of explanation. And I do think that it could have been easily condensed into something a little more palatable. So, like, just to set the stage for anyone who just stumbled on this and does not know what we're talking about at all, do you remember the, the million-dollar... Monopoly game from the 80s. It was starting in the late 80s. Was it like 89 when this all started happening? Or 86 is when yeah. they started it? And uh, I kind of remember this. I kind of remember playing. I don't remember having the Monopoly board. But um, yeah, you could win uh, certain tickets. You just had a million dollar value. Certain tickets had like a $25,000 value, $50,000 value. And some were just like, you get another soda. I completely get. remember this game. I remember at work at the shoe store I worked at in Kalamazoo, Michigan, Oakham Brothers, what's up? That somebody had the poster on the wall. Like it was mm -hmm. taped to the wall. I completely remember the, Mac the McMillions Monopoly game. I also, I also distinctly remember when it went away. And I okay. don't remember, I don't remember this story at all. I do remember when they just stopped doing it though. I yeah I didn't remember that this had even come out that there was a scam that John Ashcroft like the attorney general came out and like right before 9/11 like announced that this was like uh, there was a huge fraud at McDonald's uh, I wasn't really eating a lot of McDonald's at this point in time I like to I like to say and I don't know if it's true um, I yeah I don't <laughs> remember any of that stuff happening but um, I was thinking about. The uh, so so basically, there's a scam that we we find out through the, the six episodes. You find out basically in the first episode. No, no, no. 
I think you find out who one of the people is in the first episode. Yeah. By the second episode, you find out there's two guys named Jerry. Right. There's and Uncle Jerry and Jerry. So there's yeah. Uncle Jerry who we don't find out quite about for quite a few episodes. And then Jerry Colombo, who we find out a lot of in the first few episodes. Yeah, I mean, I think you're supposed to think at first that Jerry Colombo is Uncle Jerry, and then right. you find out there's another. Actually, also, his name is Gennaro. I'm surprised he's not Gene right. uh, instead of Jerry. It's just one of those weird like nickname things. The way that like Jack is John it doesn't yeah. make any sense. I don't like that um, Yeah, so Jer- there's Jerome Jacobson. Perfect villain name. That is a perfect villain name. That is a J. Jonah Jameson type name. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, and Jerry, like I did, I found it weird at the, like halfway through this thing. I'm like, I like the mafia guy better than this guy. Did you feel that way? Wait, you like Jerry Colombo more than Uncle Jerry? Yeah, yeah, it's of course. Sort of like, yeah, yeah, it just becomes like you get more. If he had lived, I don't think he would have gotten this kind of as a softball of a treatment. No, obviously, yeah. Well, you brought up, you kind of brought up a headline, so maybe we should talk about that. Oh, for did a I did I skip some stuff? Well, Sorry. not necessarily, yeah. but I mean, we <laughs> we do mention in an intro there are spoilers, and we just had one but he does die jerry colombo dies uh in episode five i believe yeah Yeah, episode five in a car accident uh with his wife and his son and um it's well they live yeah yeah and it's pretty startling yeah they they those two live jerry passes away um and they say internal damage yeah he was such a big guy they didn't really understand that he had some internal damage going on but like, yeah, you're right. I mean, he kind of gets off with now. I mean, that was what two thousand and two thousand or two thousand and one when he dies. So we. No, got I think it must have been like ninety eight. Ninety eight. Okay. Yeah. Sometime in so. that era. I mean, I, I guess my point is we have tw- they have twenty years now to soften the image of Frank Colombo. You know. Right. I mean Jerry yeah. Colombo rather, um, where people can re- reminisce about him and and but so yeah, the first few episodes we start to learn a lot about. The McDonald's game, how it's played, how it's been hacked, and the FBI agents who are trying to solve it. One of the things I love about this, it really gives a glimpse into like the '90s America, where like our <laughs> yeah. our big concern was like the you know the m- 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 monopoly game. Even at this point, around this point in like the Bush administration, they're basically saying, "Hey, we've picked up some feed that the." terrorists are going to fly a plane into some buildings and they're like whatever we got to yeah. solve this mcmillions thing yeah well i mean they were like a was it like jacksonville florida it was like the financial crimes unit right and that was like how it started yeah it's just financial crimes god there's so many funny things that happen in this this is like it's entertaining like i, I don't yeah like you gotta you just have to see this thing um uh yeah, like the my one of my favorite lines. I'm really jumping around. Uh, in the last episode, is just basically the prosecution. It's like the FBI lawyer, like Mark Devereaux, is just like has like an overhead projector and he has a printout of like the McDonald's rules, yeah, the game rules, yeah, and then people, the other lawyer being like, "This isn't. This is 
not the law. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. McDonald's game rules. That is such a classic, <laughs> uh, like, a, attorney, uh, district attorney, FBI agent kind of thing that's like, they follow every rule to the letter so much that they're like, <laughs> you broke McDonald's rule, dude. Like, you can't yeah. do that. Like, that's you a have no-no. to spend time in McDonald's jail, actually. Is I like, you- yeah. I like when then they finally got the jewelry on his wrist, the silver handcuffs. It's like, oh, uh, God. Like, yeah. law enforcement people make me sick sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. was actually, like, thinking about that, too. I'm just like, why am I cheering the FBI on? I know. This? I was, like, really, like, at a certain point, I'm just like, Gloria, is, I think it's Brown. Like, I'm just like, let her have let her have something. Yeah. Like, why is the, the FBI is coming after this single mom? Come on. I mean, all the, mo- all the time, effort, and money they put. That's what I mean. This is such a classic glimpse into, like, the 90s where not much really happened. And the, the economy in America was going really well. And the FBI had a lot of time and effort to put into this, like, million-dollar hack thing. You know, it's just in, in the 2020 hindsight, it just seems slightly ridiculous. Well, so this is kind of like why I thought this was going to be like a fun thing. I'm like, this has to be kind of a joke, right? This is kind of like a low stakes, like a caper, like not like a like a, a bloodless Fargo type farce is what I thought. And then immediately you find out there's real life mafia connections. And then uh, then you find out like uh, it, 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 how much energy they're putting into it. And and then the emotional part of it that they kind of get to near the end, it's like, oh, well, that really took a took a yeah. few turns I wasn't expecting. The end is one of the few times in this. Generally, for me, like you could almost judge a documentary and how my how much during the documentary I go what or like no fucking way. Like if mm. it gets a few of those, it's a good fucking doc. This one got like two from me, and it's definitely at the end when I was like, no fucking way. Like <laughs> like I even wrote. I even wrote it in big, like, <laughs> what? I, I definitely watched the episode one by myself, and I was kind of bored. And then when I got to the very end, I just said, what? Just to myself. Exactly. Like, like to no Angie one. Angie was another room. And yeah. I was just like, what? Yes, I did the uh, same thing. I I mean, for me, it was a perfect, it's, a, it's really well I, I think the filmmakers did a good job. I mean, we're in this decade now of candy-like documentary filmmaking where mm-hmm. it's kind of popish, you know? It's got a pop sensibility to it. Oh, know? this one definitely does. I mean, all the color schemes, like yeah. of the intro, it's very, like, like I said, like a caper. Like, I don't know, like it, like Pixar made it or something. Yeah, it has a non, it has a narrative feel, a feel to it, which is what I think document some documentary filmmakers are going for that a lot these days well you know in a weird way when we're talking about this now what this reminds me of a little bit is wild wild country in terms of like the structure and the hooks but i feel like wild wild country had more to say about america in the way this is about america but sort of like dumb america i guess is another way to think about it i mean it's yes kind of and it's also it's not i mean it's not really about greed it's not really about revenge it's not really about sanctity of law it's more of just like a bunch of like kooky white people got together and brought in their black friend and Mm -hmm. did this kind of dumb caper and it's like yeah i mean it doesn't it's not like strikes at the heart of anything yeah like they're like there were this wasn't a victimless crime like two businesses went under i'm like well this one business probably should have gone under (laughs) yeah and then the printing press 
I think they actually kept going for a while. They got sold in like 2006 or something. So I don't think they like, maybe all those people lost their jobs, but, um, you know, then the economy crashed in 2008. So it was going to happen anyway. Well, 2001 too. I mean, it's yeah, uh, September then, yeah. 12th, 2001, basically the economy took a fucking nosedive. So, well, yeah, in a weird way, it's like the fact that 9-11 happens during this thing and it's just like, well, that really threw a wrench in everything we were working on is like kind of like, yeah, no shit. This is kind of like what this documentary feels like. It's like inconsequential. Something major happens. Then they're like, we still had to prosecute these people after this. Right. And I, yeah. I really love we get introduced to um, uh, Uncle Jerry's defense. Uh, attorney later oh, on, yeah, and, and his two, assistant. Yeah. I I love that guy, man. That's the I want him representing me for every trial that I might yeah. be. Yeah, and also George Chandler, which I every time I heard his name, I was like half like what me? That's very George um, Chenish. Yeah, um, his lawyer. That's another lawyer. Oh, did we? I feel like we should explain. Uh, we should set up the clip for uh, Doug Matthews, Let's do that. who is like the kind of star of the first half of he it. seems to be the darling of this doc let's set it up we'll go there's a clip of uh fbi agent doug matthews i see this note on the desk mcdonald's monopoly fraud and i go give me that damn thing because i'm bored to death with this healthcare garbage right it's important but i was ready to move on they seem like this meeting just took forever. I might have been hungry twice in that meeting. <laughs> this was Doug's opportunity to be an undercover agent. I showed up with a gold suit on. This is like a golden fry suit. He looks like he's a manager of a McDonald's. But I had a white shirt on, so I thought I was safe. <laughs> I wasn't. Man, undercover is awesome. That is a clip of kind of the star, if you want, or the darling of McMillions, uh, FBI agent Doug Matthews. And the entire dude, I am not, George, you know me, I am not a fashion icon in any way. However, yeah, where's this going? <laughs> however, the entire time I watched this doc, I was like, can someone get him a smaller shirt? The shirt is just too big, it, it's too billowy. That's the most 90s part of this, is a giant <laughs> shirt. Uh, yes, that is true. He has a Florida shirt too. It's Florida. It's just like Florida feels like it's still the nineties. There. How, how many bad dad jokes does Doug Matthews know? You know he's just does sitting he teach at a improv. Like, <laughs> <laughs> is he teaching funny. comedy college right now? What is going on? Oh, uh, that's funny. I, he he seems like a guy that would teach an improv comedy <laughs> class. That's is he retired? He seems like a guy who would take the class and become like the TA right. of the class. Right. Absolutely. The guy that's always like thanking people as they leave and, and collecting all the brochures and everything. He I'm seems not too young to be retired. Actually. I know he does, but like, you know, he was in his 20s, mid to late 20s in the 25 90s. 25 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. 20 years so ago. he still looks good, that bastard. Then we should all be retired, basically. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I have, uh, I have yet to really work. Look but, at my 401k. Oof, like a tank. Yeah. Ugh, let's um, not get into it. We're doing the perfect, we have the perfect format for our show right now for these times, just over Skype. You yes. don't have to be in the same room. I don't have to touch spitting anything. Spitting on each other. I don't want to touch. And, and today for, I mean, this is coming out in a few days, but the NBA suspended the entire season indefinitely today, which is crazy Man. news. Um, and then uh, Trump said there'd be no 
planes coming in or from Europe, and my my roommate's in Spain right now, so I'm wondering how oh. that's going to happen. Yeah, time for a new roommate. Yay! I kind of gotten <laughs> sick of him. Dumb Ten years stuff is on way the too street. Long. Get the fuck out of here. Um, So let's talk about just some of these people. I'm just going to bring up names and we'll just talk about them, okay? So let's start with Jerry Colombo, the the man with the plan. Oh, yeah. Jerry Jerry Colombo. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, okay, when he decided to make the, turn his strip club into a church, Ah! I was like, that's pretty dope. The best. Like, dude, you know. The Church of Fuzzy Bunny. Are you it's kidding dumb, me? But in a great way. Yeah. It's so dumb and so great. And the and it's like if anybody ever watches gangster stuff, they're always telling them, like, don't get any press. Don't go out, don't put your nose in anything. You know? Yeah. And there's there he is. Like they show him on like like CNN and like like you yeah. know, all the morning shows and he's in all the news and shit. I love yeah. it. Fucking yeah. Jerry Colombo. and you makes you makes you wonder. What else this guy was into, you know? Oh, for sure. I did a little bit of research on the Colombo family, too, just to, like, kind of get some idea of what was going on. Uh, Seems like he was pretty much on the lower end of the totem pole of the Colombo family. He's, like, a grandson of, I think, the main guy uh, who was the head of that, which is considered the, the... I, I shouldn't, not to be, I'm not going to belittle uh, a crime family on this show. There is known <laughs> as one of the five. Please don't. Some, some said they're, they're like, you know, the smallest of the five. Right. Uh, you can, I have a P.O. box, so. <laughs> there you go. Small but mighty. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, yeah, so yeah, the Colombo family, um, it seems like a, a weird, yeah, a weird racket to get into, like the strip club racket, and then like this this whole racket. Also, South Carolina. Did they explain why they ended up in South Carolina? I don't remember, but I I don't I think so. that. I'm just like you know the very common Sicilian community yeah. of South Carolina. It's very right. well known for their Sicilian community. Yeah, uh, Frank Colombo, who is uh, his little brother, who's yeah, I I I kind of liked Frank. Yeah. I feel like he actually just tweeted at you. <laughs> at Subdoc. Yeah. At the at our yeah, Frank did tweet at us, so Frank may be listening. Hi, Frank. Hi, Frank. Thanks for the tweet and uh thank you for putting this doc together. Um yeah, I, he tweeted at us and um it's awesome. But he seems very like contrite, I guess I would say. But he also seems like he has a lot of fun with the fact that his family is like a made connected family and that his you know, that yeah. Jerry was his brother and you know and was and I guess he wasn't really connected to the scam. He I think hmm that's a good question. There's an there's another sibling relationship in here that's a little bit similar like uh Jerry Jacobson's uh kind of stepbrother is also oh, yeah. a major figure in this. Yeah. Um, yeah, it seems like he could have taken, partaken in this. And uh, it sounds like he, he did a few things like, like uh, it seemed like there was a huge fight between Robin, uh, Jerry's wife and him and that side of the family. So that ended up being, I think some stuff uh, was disappeared uh, that's kind of what I've gathered, but it seems like he wasn't like a full on dude. He was trying to live a somewhat legit life. I, I feel like his wife's got him on a little short 
leash as well. Yeah. She seems like she's, I mean, she's in this doc a lot. Um, Frank's wife, who I'm, unfortunately, I'm sorry, Frank, but I can't remember your wife's name. Uh, but she seems to be like, hey, listen, you're not going to stray too far into this. Um, let's go. Yeah. Let's talk about Robin, though. Yeah. I mean, for me, Robin was my favorite part of this documentary. Huh. I just, because I grew up, no offense, Robin, but I grew up in very white trash America, where there's a lot of like women like this around that I loved talking to because they always had a cigarette. They generally had a rum and diet coke in the other hand, and just were like, "No bullshit. I'm going to tell you how it is." And I got a lot of crazy stories, kind of. And I love these kind of people. I love these kind of ladies. So she she kind of lost me in the very beginning by calling Jackie Chan a Chinaman. And then I kind of like had to build my empathy back up for her. I'm like, yeah, I know recidivism is a thing, and like women in the uh, women in incarceration is like a big issue. And then, um, but then she also, like, yeah, she. It was weird how the the camera went from like a very made up version of Robin. Oh, interesting. Uh, a very dolled up Robin to then yeah. just Robin on her couch, right? And like smoking her cigs. Yeah, that is true. Life. It, it would like kind of an interesting reveal. It did kind of vacillate between her being all made up and with like a lot of jewelry on, and then just in like a striper t-shirt and just chilling mm -hmm. on the couch. But she is, she is pretty. Um, she's a, in this a lot, and she is the wife of Jerry Colombo, and you really get a sense that she was like, you know, I. It's like I will, I will go so far, but if you push me too far, then that's really it. You know, kind yeah, of people. Yeah, earrings come off. Yeah, the totally. earrings will come off, and then they do mention that she does end up going to jail for some time. I think for check fraud, check fraud, yeah, and some other stuff. And then, um, kind of, you know, finally has the FBI come in, and she's like, "Okay, listen, I got some stuff to say." Because a lot of people always go like, "I got a kid." Like it's always like, I feel like if I'm going to get into crime, I should have a kid, and I should just do mail fraud. Because it seems like they got a lot of these guys are like. Like, this was six fucking episodes, like hours of time that we had. And then the, the sentences were like, you get two weeks and you're going to have to pay up to $2,500. <laughs> the amount that they're paying back now is like ridiculous. It's like, that's like my car insurance. I know. I'm like, well, <laughs> shit. I, I mean, for 176 bucks a month, like, what the fuck? Why not? Now, like, when we mentioned Gloria earlier, it did seem like for some people, it basically was a bad deal. Like you're getting fifty grand a year, but it's split with another person, like fifty fifty. No, that's just dumb. And you had to pay up front for the tickets. Yeah. Like and she the had taxes. to take out a mortgage on her home. And then there's and she didn't even think about the taxes. And then so she basically was like, Well, I can't live that large because everyone thinks that I won this money, but I am actually making as much as I was making before. Yeah, it's so dumb. As a social it's, worker. Yeah. It's so dumb. I and mean, even uh, and Glum, and, uh, he mentions the same thing. He's like, wait, after a while, I'm like, this is not even, this is dumb. I'm not even making any money. You know, like, mm -hmm. I don't understand. It's like, it seems like if someone's going to approach you with these kind of ideas, you really should just sit down and think about, like, is it worth my time and effort? You know, am I going to yeah. make a bunch of money or not? You know? Yeah, I mean, like, look, I mean, if even if someone offers, even if you win a million dollars in a somewhat legitimate fashion, and then you take out 30% of that for taxes, and then it's like if you win the lottery, I think they also do it over time, right? I yeah. think you can do lump sum or over time. Right. So, yeah, uh, I they're still doing this campaign, though. They're, it's right, back. McDonald's is still doing, and they're probably doing it now because they got all this publicity from this. Of course, series. yeah, and that that um, Amy, 
Oh Murray, yeah, yeah, the, the marketing, woman who worked yeah. for marketing at, at McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, they. Um, uh, she, uh, she may be retired too. I don't know, but it seems like she's back. And then, uh, uh, for the people who have not seen this documentary, we're probably making almost no sense because we are all over the place. But it's just so. It's, there's so much. Six to talk hours. About. I mean, it's, there's so much. Yeah, and it, it's crazy. But Amy Murray is in this documentary a lot. She's the marketing director of McDonald's, and they actually, the FBI actually uses her to set up like these video um shamrock uh, productions my favorite. <laughs> oh my god that's shamrock right uh sham it sounds like a porn company doesn't it like shamrock Productions, like irish porn like, i don't know just a, yeah. one of those horrible 90s porn thing of, you know it's like anyways um not that i want <laughs> <You> just, <laughs> like i i now googling 90s porn just to see <laughs> yeah what was going uh, on there. but they set up these um um, what were they? They were like the winners. Yeah, like they're like interviews to just catch people. They're just trying to catch people in a lie. They brought in the winners and they were trying to catch them all in lies, basically. And it's like, I, dude, I, if I worked with the mob and made a million bucks in this scam, the last thing I would ever do is sit in yeah. front of a camera. To go to fucking Vegas or something. Yeah, the last thing I would do. And they also talk, what's his name? Mike Hoover was another oh, guy. Oh, God, Mike Hoover, yeah. God bless him. And who we find out later through Glum was a Coke dealer, which I was <laughs> like, seems what? like he's still alive too. Like yeah. I was, I was, there's a bunch of like, where are they now articles? Cause oh. there's like, there's like 50 characters from this thing. Yeah. So there's a bunch of where are they now articles. And like, he obviously did not participate in the film. Right. No, I wouldn't imagine he would. And then, uh, let's end with, um, a little buddy tale, the tales of two buddies, Dwight Baker, um, the older cat uh, that mm -hmm. basically went to the airport to, to find his sister-in-law and his buddy, George Chandler, who yeah. was his adopted son, a foster yeah. kid. Yeah. What a strange, oh, what a strange a pair. Dynamic. Yeah. I didn't, I, I don't know how to feel about it still. It's like, weird. It's, it's weird because um, it's, I felt the same way about Dwight Baker as I found, as I thought of, about the father and abducted in plain sight. Like this kind of like, <laughs> yeah, like lying through the skin of their teeth. Like, I'm a good guy. I didn't understand. I just wanted to make a couple bucks and I didn't want to get anybody else in trouble. But it's like, no, that is not what happened. And it's obviously not true. Yeah. Like, like they left the phone on in the car and the FBI oh was my God. <laughs> Every time there's, uh. it's so funny in true crime docs, how many, like one tiny mistake just opens the floodgates. But I didn't really believe Dwight. Sorry, Dwight. I didn't really believe him. Don't believe you yeah. when you were saying I didn't want to bring, because as far as I remember in the doc, they mentioned that George actually mentions that it was Dwight that told the FBI about him, you know? Yeah, so it's like, right. well, and then George is this interesting character who uh, didn't go beyond the ninth grade and has like some genius IQ, I guess. Or yeah, he just like worked very hard. He just had like a knack for business. He actually it sounded like he made his own money. Like he didn't really need this money <laughs> right, to start yeah. with. It was just like a headache. Um, yeah. And uh, his name is George Chandler. So I was like, I'm very invested in what happens to him. Uh, <laughs> he also has a pretty good singing voice. Real good. I feel like, yeah, he, he better than most karaoke people. Yeah. He's um, got a real good singing voice. Yeah. Sure. But yeah, I, I guess, I don't know if he was Mormon also. Dwight's Mormon. It seems like he really like broke a lot of, uh, he, he's excommunicated from the Latter-day Saints. 
uh, and he was he's trying to get his way back in. I don't know if going on this movie, documentary is going to help you rejoin the Mormon no. church. I have but, a feeling that's in his yeah. rearview mirror at this point. And yeah. then um, last Glom. Glom, Glom, yeah, he's he's a character. Holy he's, shit, he's, he's my favorite. He he was <laughs> awesome. I would love to have a couple fucking bourbons with that dude and just talk to him about his life. It seems like he is sitting on a treasure trove of fucking anecdotes. I would imagine. I'm, I'm sure, like they considered that. Just like, should we do a six part series on just this guy? Right. Because like, yeah. that's what I want now. Is I want the Glom story. Have you ever met somebody like him? In your life? Uh, my friend Randy Lee is kind of like a guy who just has like these crazy stories and you think they're kind of bullshit and then they turn out to be Real. mostly true. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I've, yeah. I've had a few of those people in my life and they're my favorite. That's why I'm so drawn to biographies and documentaries. Like I, you know, truth is better than fiction. It's like, I love this kind of stuff. And the fact that like this guy is like, yeah, so I was just partying in Morocco and wanted to fucking do some snort. Amyl nitrate with Harold <laughs> Pinter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some poppers. I just wanted to do some poppers, man. And then his friends like, "Hey, can you get me some quaaludes?" And then he's like, into some like million dollar fucking drug empire. Yeah. And these all these guys look like they work at Lowe's. They all look like (laughs) they work in the the wood section at fucking Home Depot. They look like super regular folks. You know, feel very yeah. There's a very southern. There's a lot of southern quality to this, and I will say like that is. Something like the accents, like it's all Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, and it feels like a Florida man type of story in a oh, way. That's interesting. It's like yeah. kind of an early Florida man. Yeah. Like an, yeah, the early version of that. And so um in this segment, let's let's um wrap up with the big spoiler. Let's wrap up with the with the big news, the headline. What do you think? Do you know the what I'm head- talking you know, what I'm I'm talking maybe about? I don't know what you're talking about. The end, like the who we find oh. out is the informant. Right, right, right. The informant who, like, it's kind of not. They don't really like have an interview with this person at all. No. So it's just like there's a there's a bunch of red herrings about who the initial informant was that tipped off the FBI, and is it verified or it's pretty much verified that it is. Uh, Jerry Colombo's mom, Ma Colombo, Grandma Colombo. So that's, she could get her grandkid, basically. That's crazy, dude. Yeah, because she's like in the family, in the fucking real. family. Ma Colombo oh. turns out to be the FBI informant because a she hated Robin. B, her son is dead, so what the fuck? Who cares? C, she wants to get her grandson not to have to go back to Robin once Robin gets let out of jail. So this is my question. Do Frank and his mom get along? Frank and his mom. Oh, you know what? I don't know. It seems like no, because he (laughs) said that on camera. Right. And he's not at the birthday parties or anything. He's not. You're right. But, But Robin is, which is crazy. And oh then, yeah, and the then fact Robin's, that Ro- oh man, Robin, yeah, oh. the fa- and then Robin's like, yeah, I'm the favorite daughter-in-law now. It's like <laughs> what? Families are so weird. I know. It's like, did you watch uh, Years and Years? Another oh, HBO yeah. show. It's yeah. kind of like that. That uh, daughter-in-law relationship, right? Like where like everyone's sick of the the husband. They're just like, yeah, well, we're actually close now, even though yeah. you hated me in the beginning and I thought you were racist. Uh, yeah, so. 
Robin, she kind of like comes around to being back in her son's life, uh, staying out of jail, hopefully being friends with Gloria again. Yeah. A lot of reunions happen at the end of this. The other bizarre reunion, Mark Devereaux, the, the prosecutor and, uh, Jerry Colombo's, uh, half brother or stepbrother and that's being homies. That's weird. So weird. It's so weird. weird time. I know. It's very, very strange. So that basically is McMillions. I mean, we we barely scratched the surface of really... Scratched? I get it. Scratched the surface. Uh, Like the scratchers. We're all winners now. Paco, Uh, can I ask you a game question? Yeah, sure. Uh, So Monopoly, McDonald's, perfect combination. What is another board game or game that you would pair with another fast food chain? Okay, um, I would do, um, I would probably do Scrabble and uh, Subway, Scrabble and Subway. Okay, uh, okay, I could see that. Yeah, it's kind of because you have to go through that line, and they turn. It's like turning over a piece. Um, oh yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, yeah. Like a little slice of cheese have letters on them or something. Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Subway doesn't. Yeah. Subway needs a new campaign. They need to wash the taste out of the mouth of the last few campaigns. How did they not go under? That's what yeah. I don't understand. Another they, Jerry. That's another Jerry. Jared Vogel. Oh right, another Jerry. <laughs> Jesus. Um, let's see. One other one might be. Oh, I don't know. Um, I was thinking of uh, uh, Jack in the Box and Cards Against Humanity. Oh, wow. I could see that. Those They have the same kind late of language. Late night, yeah. Like yeah. late night, like misanthropic. Uh, or, uh-huh. I don't know, you grew up with the Hardee's? Yes, yeah, there's yeah. Hardee's Burgers. Or Carl's yeah. Jr. out here. I don't know. I feel like, I can't think of a game. That, that's like a puzzle. That's just right. like you get, you get, just mm. get Connect Four and right. Hardee's. That's interesting. Okay, so um, let's play Cast This Duck. Gotta cast this duck. Gotta cast this duck. All right, so I have a few. Okay, Um, you go. I'm going to go, and I'm going to do a few of these. So Cast This Duck. Jerry Colombo, I am going to cast with Glenn Flesher. Now, for... He plays the mob guy on Barry, the Ukrainian mob oh, guy. Oh, yeah. That's what I was thinking of. I didn't know that guy's name. He's great. Yeah. Yes. Perfect. He's an amazing actor. Glenn yeah. Flesher or uh, James Gandolfini, RIP. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Frank Colombo, I'm thinking a young Pesci. Oh, a younger okay. Joe Pesci with, with no hair. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah I can see that. Okay. Um... Who else did I have? Oh, George Chandler, mm-hmm. your namesake, Dwight Yoakam. Oh, yeah. Huh? I totally see that. Was he in Sling Blade? Sure he was. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. he was. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Robin, uh, Colum- Jerry Colombo's wife, uh, Cloris Leachman. <laughs> Someone on Twitter said, I think, Amy Sedaris. Which is perfect. Like, or she is like strangers with candy. Like I yeah. took the McDonald's ticket. I, I yeah, did it's some funny. check frauds. I would. I was also thinking maybe Danny DeVito for her. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Very just, the penguin. You know, Very the penguin. I wish. I guess Doug Matthews has to be um, uh, Wahlberg. 
I mean, one of the executive producers of this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of, yeah. The doof, a doofusy Wahlberg, for sure. A doofusy dad jokey Wahlberg. Yeah. So I had an interesting pick for Doug Matt. Are you? I, I don't know if I cut That's you it. off. That's it. Yep. No, yeah, please. Um, there's a comic named Connor O'Malley who does all these weird like uh, social media, like where it's things where he's just yelling in the camera. He's married to A.D. Bryant. If you watched Shrill, did you watch Shrill this season? No. He's, he makes some appearances on Shrill. He's just like this guy with like a giant head who like yells and has like these giant teeth. And I could kind of see him having like the hyperactive energy of Doug Matthews. But nice. then it would just become like immediately like weirder by casting Connor O'Malley. So that's my choice for Doug Matthews. I'll send you a picture and you'll see what I'm talking about. All right, cool. Uh, and then for Frank uh, Colombo, I had uh, Enrico Colantoni, if you remember the show Veronica Mars. Yes. Or um, he was on, I think, Just Shoot Me. Uh, he was amazing. Oh. He's a perfect guy for that. Right. Yeah, you see yep. what I'm saying for that one. Um, I think that I kind of wanted to do for Dwight. I was thinking maybe, I think Jerry Orbach would either be Dwight or Jerry Colombo. Or not oh. Jerry Colombo, Jerry Jacobson. Right. How about John Goodman for Dwight? Oh, that's an interest. That would give. That would make me like him more. Oh, I would like. Yeah, it would make him more likable for sure. Okay. Yeah. So that's I true. don't know if I want to make him super likable. True. Um. Yeah. And then I didn't really have any of the female characters down. Uh. I just was spending my time just trying to figure out the name of Enrico Colantino. <laughs> yeah, I remember that dude. Yeah, um, yeah. Awesome. Do you have a a, a doc you'd like to pitch? Oh, yeah. Pitch and a doc. Pitch a doc time. And for folks who are just listening for the first time, first of all, where the hell have you been? Second, we also play a doc where we call, I mean, play a game where we call Pitch a Doc, where we basically have an idea that we're not sure it's ever been made into a doc that should be made into a doc. Yeah, I just researched. Well, I came across, for a sad reason, this guy came up in a Wikipedia search. But there's a guy who is named Robert Opel, O-P-E-L, and he was most famous for streaking across the Academy Awards stage in 1974. But he was also uh, an artist. Uh, He owned a gallery. He did a lot of work in San Francisco's gay community. Uh, He did a bunch of performance stuff. He was friends with like Robert Maplethorpe um, and did stuff with Tama Finland. And he was unfortunately murdered in San Francisco in his gallery Hmm. in 79, right after the death of Harvey Milk and Moscone. So he's a pretty interesting character crossed all these different areas. And I don't think I've, I just learned about this guy. There's some pretty good articles about him. Um, Yeah, just, oh, wait a minute. There is a documentary about him. God damn it. (laughs) I just found that out. What's his name? Oh, Robert Opel. Okay, so he had a nephew named Robert Opel, spelled O-P-P-E-L, and his documentary is called Uncle Bob. Okay, so oh, there you go. How, this has now become a plug where we got to watch this. We got to watch <laughs> Uncle Bob. He made a film about it. God damn it. I oh, I'm glad that I saw this before. Well, maybe so his, not getting corrected by the internet. Maybe his nephew will come on SupDoc, Robert Opel. Yeah, Robert Opel, come talk about your, your, your uncle. I'm sorry I didn't know about your film. <laughs> <laughs> Can't know about all of them. Oh, man. Well, it's good to find this now. And they actually like resurrected his gallery uh, in 2014 or they did a tribute to his gallery in 2014 down here in LA. So yeah, interesting dude in the leather scene of San Francisco, yeah. 
Awesome. I, I just want to, there's got to be a doc about Jack London. I did some research the other day because I, I went to Jack London's, there's a bar that he used to drink at in um, Jack London Square. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, it's like kind of topsy-turvy. It basically sits on an edge. It's so cool. It's tiny. It's super I tiny. I don't know if I've been to that one, but I've been to like a speakeasy type bar that's right around that, that part of town that supposedly is where he lived. Like it okay. was like a boarding house or something at some point. This might be I don't the, think same the same place. It might be the same place. Maybe it, I got my... Does it seat like five people comfortably? Uh, no, it was a little bigger than that. I'm, okay. I can't remember the name of it either. It's been years. So, but yeah. He's a, obviously has a lot of Bay Area connections. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So um, that was the part of this next segment where we generally talk about upcoming docs we're excited for. I was just thinking about this. I'm not sure. I ha Do you have any that you uh, are coming up that you kind of like jazzed about? Um. Well... I, I, we just did an interview. I did that interview last time uh, with uh, Arthur and Giorgio, who made the Feels Good Man doc. And uh, they were supposed to show it at South by Southwest, got canceled. I think oh, there's a bunch shit. of festivals they were supposed to go to. All of them got canceled. Uh, they, went, they said to check out True False. Uh, festival which is in Columbia, Missouri, and that apparently, like, that is a great circuit for undiscovered docs. Mm. Um, I haven't heard about too much recently. I just finished watching this. I just finished watching, I watched some fiction stuff, honestly, Paco. Like, did you watch The Outsider? Speaking no, of HBO, not yet. oh man, yeah. I'm, that's, I'm, that's, a, that's a good casting in that. That's one. what I've heard. Yeah, I've been. Uh, I'm highly addicted to Better Call Saul, so I've been catching up on that. Um, and that's. I don't know if there's any other real series I've been watching too much. I just. Um, but what the one thing we have to mention that we have not yet mentioned because this is. But the fucking uh, Corey Feldman doc. Uh, Guys, I do. We do need to see that. It was just that launched is, oh. or aired or whatever it was. Whatever yeah. happened. Um, whatever happened. It sounds yeah. nuts. Um, it really, more of the spectacle around the doc versus the doc. I haven't really heard much about if the doc I was I read anything. a review of it. I think it was on Rolling Stone's website, and it does drop a couple bombs. Um, but yeah, so Corey Feldman and his good friend Corey Haim, child actors together, uh, that for years, Corey Feldman's been saying, I'm going to drop, uh, like the names of some people who like abused both of us when we were kids. And this is his feature length film premiere to do it. And he built his own website that you pay to watch the film on. <laughs> and right. So there's a lot of weird levels to this. It was also simultaneously playing live in New York at a theater. I mean, uh, L.A. Or L.A., yeah, I think. Yeah, I forget what theater, but it's in the Rolling Stone review. And I think our, our buddy Corey Sklar, who's been on the show, uh, was going to do a screening. And then I guess whenever the website broke down, uh, Corey Feldman thinks it's a conspiracy that someone tried to hack his website. Right. Uh, could be that it just crashed from everyone could trying be. to watch it. Yeah. Um, I guess he's kind of taking that, um, that, you know, stream stuff on your own website model that we learned from another famous abuser. Uh, <laughs> well, okay. Well, yeah, well, maybe abusers. Yeah. You can say like, uh, someone who crossed some boundaries. 
Uh, yeah, but uh, he crossed a boundary of uh, the streaming services by posting <laughs> his own uh, series on his own website. So. Why you don't use Squarespace. Yeah. All right, so let's get into some SUP, sup Doc news and updates. Um, we don't have too many other than... <laughs> Why are we announcing Other than uh, our five years oh. is coming up, which yeah. is amazing. Um, mm. uh, five years in May. So in May, we'll have our five-year anniversary, which is crazy for a little scampering documentary recap podcast. Um, I was so. going to say bi-coastal, but we are mono-coastal. We are mono-coastal, but like bi-California, California bifurcated. That's right. California bifurcated. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, so but other than that, just follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SupDoc Podcast. Email us at SupDocPodcast at gmail.com and yeah. um, let us know if you're listening. Let us know what we got right, what we got wrong. Who would you like to be on our podcast? What docs we should be watching and talking about and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Nick Coltis who suggested we do McMillions. And, uh, I, and we were both only like two episodes into this, I think like a week ago. So we really oh, had to yeah. catch up to do this. And I think, uh, you know, I would say rec- I, I'd recommend it as like light popcorn fare, essentially. Yeah. 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 And you could watch it with the family. It's, a, you know, there's nothing too crazy in this. You could watch, you could yeah. watch it with the watch family. Watch it with your get, crime family. Get your family together. Um, Have some spaghetti. So, yeah. Any shows you got coming up you want to plug? Oh, I don't even know if my show this, this weekend. Oh, fuck, yeah. This weekend, I have a show that might get canceled. Uh, I guess first Thursday is Giant Robot on Sautel, West Side. Hopefully, it's going to be happening. I think we got Richard Servate on that one in April. And uh, yeah, uh, I'm not sure. I'm he, not sure what to plug. I'm not sure if humanity has is going to be point. around by the time good we drop. Point. This will drop regardless. But This yeah. will be out there regardless. You can't get the coronavirus from our podcast. Um, I'm headlining Milk next week. Um, oh, nice. I, I actually had two shows that got canceled. I have a show at the Punchline April 1st on April Fool's Day that may or may not happen. I'm hoping it will. So um, come to the Punchline April 1st. And um, I have another show I'm doing at Brick and Mortar. They're doing comedy shows now. Okay. It's, it, which is nice. an awesome venue. I always wondered why they didn't do comedy there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that spot. That's cool. Yeah, yeah that's... Uh, March 29th, me and Chris Riggins are going to do like a jazz comedy show. There. <laughs> Is there going to be instrumentation? There's going to be a jazz band. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be awesome. You've been um, tickling the ivories with Stephen Lynch, I saw. I did, dude. Oh, yes, I did. I just played with Stephen Lynch in Vegas on the Strip at the House of Blues. My first time ever in Las Vegas. And it was my birthday, and I had a bunch of friends come with me to Vegas, and we partied hard, and Stephen was in town, and he was like, hey why don't you play the piano on a song with me? And I was like, okay, that'd be fun. And then it turned into, hey, why don't you play the song, uh, the piano on like three or four songs with me? And I was like, I don't play by ear. And he's like, I, he doesn't read music and, and I don't play by ear. I read music. So I'm like, I need to know what songs. And he's like, oh, I'll get to you. You know, and then I, I've known Stephen for years. And then finally, like Friday night, we played on Saturday night in Vegas. And Friday night, he was like, how about these songs? And I was like, okay, cool. 
And then I actually had a, I hit up a friend, David Siegel, who did the theme to Supdoc. I asked him to please transcribe Stephen's song for me. <laughs> I was a little oh, drunk man. and a little like scared that I'd get it wrong. And thank you, David, for doing that. It was great. He did a great job. And I managed to learn. And I met Stephen at his hotel room. We went over the songs. And then I get to the House of Blues, dude, for 7 p.m. sound check. And Stephen, what a beautiful, gracious person. He literally was like, why don't you open the show? And do some stand-up. <laughs> Last like, minute opening at, in Vegas at the House of Blues. <laughs> yeah. First time in Vegas, and I got to open the show. Um, I did some stand-up. I did really well. People liked it. And then I played on four songs with them. Had a great time. It was awesome. I hope it, you know, hopefully it'll happen again. And if you want, this is a couple more things. Steven was on like episode 20. Like 18 or something. Or yeah, 18. He did Smashing Machine. Um, that documentary, and I just learned from Stephen that The Rock bought the rights to that story oh. and is going to be making a biopic. Wow. So we should have Stephen back on. Yeah, to, for sure. Uh, do a biopsy uh, with him. Yeah, for do sure. Do a biopsy with him and um, whatever that movie's going to be called. So, yes. Yeah, so, well, thank you for bringing that up. It was an awesome way to, to first step your feet into Vegas, which can be weird and smelly. And a great birthday. So happy birthday to Thank you. Thank you, as buddy. Well. I appreciate it. Everyone that. on Twitter, uh, wish Paco a happy birthday. And everyone on Thank Patreon, you. wish Hapo, <laughs> which, which, which Hapo, wish Paco a happy, happy Patreon. And, I would uh, love it if you guys went to patreon.com slash podcast and um, donated a buck a month to my yeah. birthday or five bucks a month. Yeah, and we're going to walk out on the music that was created by David Siegel. We are. Our theme Thanks. song. Exactly. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks, George. And uh, Oh, wait, wait, wait. How many Herzogs do you give this? McMillions. Oh, yeah, it's like a six. Okay. I think uh, that's my ten. standard Herzog. <laughs> yeah, I'd give it like, uh, I'd give it a six. I got to say, I'd give it a six. Six Herzogs. All right, folks, yeah. thanks for listening. Thanks, George. Um, continue to listen, tell your friends about SupDoc, download, subscribe, send them episodes that you dig, and um, we'll talk to you real soon. Hey, thanks for listening. You can find out more about SupDoc at SupDocPodcast.com. We've been recapping reality since 2015. Our theme song was written by David Siegel, and our show was engineered by Will Scoville. For as little as a buck a month, you can donate to this show through our Patreon page, patreon.com slash SupDocPodcast. If you want to help us out in other ways, please share the show with friends. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Find out more about Paco and George's comedy gigs on the About Us page on our website. Subdoc is by Doc fans for Doc fans. So if you want to advertise with Subdoc, got a film you want to recommend, or any opinions, please hit us up. Emails at subdocpodcast at gmail.com. Play McDonald's Millionaire Monopoly. Free plug. <laughs> Very. Very free plug. We should get a burger out of that.